Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast Week 15 and 16 Review and Predictions. I'm Hakun Wong, Editor-in-Chief of Football Garbage Time, and with me is Ryan Whitfield, Senior Staff Writer of Football Garbage Time. Ryan, are you all ready for the holidays? It's a, it's a crazy on my end. I'm assuming you're crazy on your end, too. Yeah, it's uh, definitely been crazy. Uh, looking forward to some Saturday football. Can't complain about that. Oh, yeah, and actually, uh, and Thursday football today, right? I mean, we got, we got all sorts of football going on. And Sunday football and Monday football, it's a good time for football. Have you been uh, watching any of the college bowl games? I haven't. You know, honestly, the minute Notre Dame was done this year, I, I stopped watching college <laughs> football. I started doing my draft scouting, but not until yeah, then. Right, right. Okay, well, that, that I, uh, so I can agree with that sentiment. Once, uh, once Notre Dame was out, it was kind of a tough one. Speaking of Notre Dame, uh, Michael Floyd, you saw all that craziness. You saw that his, his BAC was super, super high when he got pulled over. Any, any thoughts on that you know, since they got to your Patriots? Yeah, I would say that you're all you're also so stupid. Um, it, it's the same thing that I went through a couple years ago with the Ray Rice thing. People turn a blind eye to Ray McDonald, who, who's beating his pregnant girlfriend and, and borderline torturing her. Um, if you read the reports right. about Adrian Peterson shoving leaves into his son's mouth and stripping him naked, which almost has a, a, a almost a, a disgusting, perverted sense to it before whipping him. Uh, but we don't see yeah, those no, things. We overreact yeah. to the Ray, the Ray Rice thing. Um, the minute I, the, the thing I said last week was the minute you found out he was asleep at the wheel, I said, oh, he wasn't just a little bit drunk. He had to, he had to be blitzed. To, to fall asleep yeah. at the wheel means you have to have at least two times the legal limit. So none of it's been surprising yeah. to me. You know, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't catch him with his pants down or, or he didn't get aggressive with the cop. Like, so the video didn't do anything and, and, and the, right. the BAC has done nothing but tell me what I already knew, which was this guy might have a drinking problem and he definitely, you just, you know, We've all in our younger years done some bad stuff, but you, you, we all have to yep. know from an alcohol standpoint that if you fall asleep while at the wheel, you obviously you obviously had not just one too many. He didn't just have an extra glass of wine, obviously. I, right, right. It's real shame, real shame because he's a great player, uh, obviously has a problem. Uh, should be a, hopefully a lesson to all those who are coming out of the NFL to really watch themselves. I mean, if you go look at some, and, you know, then I can you can say what you want about these other players, but there are other players who are out there who go out there and party and, and are responsible I mean, I, I like to use Matt Stafford as an example because he's always out of the news. He's always responsible. I'm not saying I like the guy. I'm just saying that from the perspective of a guy who actually goes out and does stuff and does it responsibly and is a good role model, ultimately on the field, he's actually not that bad. Yeah, I would say that unfortunately, um, you know, the, the secondary takeaway you could take is you could say that you hope it's a lesson, um, but all the NFL – and my team has done has proven to you that as long as you have talent, you're gonna you might end up in a better situation after messing up, which yeah, is which that's is the unfortunate shame. I mean, story. yeah, that is unfortunate. I mean, uh, and that is actually it's actually surprising coming from you, Ryan. Actually, being a little bit critical of the Patriots, I, I don't hear that often. So that's uh, that's very interesting. But that's this is one of those things that are just more important than football is being responsible. But with that said. You know, we got a lot to cover this week, and actually there's some, some, some fun stuff to talk, you know, talk about this week, not just the bad stuff. So let's get it rolling with, um, with all our topics. And speaking of the Patriots, 
Let's turn first to the Patriots at Denver Broncos from Week 15, a very interesting game in which the uh, Patriots managed to come away with a win, 16-3. And there's a lot of things that happened during this game that I think are very interesting on both sides of the ball. But, you know, I, I thought actually it was relatively competitive, although the score doesn't seem that way. So what are your thoughts on the game, uh, Ryan? Tell us, what do you think? Yeah, my thoughts on the game are um, there's going to be an unfortunate theme for most of you out there to this podcast here today which is going to be when I just said that, unfortunately, the lesson is that, um, you know, you may mess up and then get put into a better situation. Um, well, Michael Floyd's punishment for, for uh, the drunk driving incident, you know, aside from the, from the jail time, is going to be uh, that he's going to get a Super Bowl ring. Um, and you, I think you know me well enough to know how much I'm afraid of jinxes and how, how I'm pretty level-headed about the Patriots. But, um, you know, the, the, the span of the two weeks against the Ravens and against the Broncos proved to me that uh, – Man, the rest of you are in some trouble. Um, that this might be. <laughs> and I didn't... Hold the. It's <laughs> amazing. You you think you're saying that the Patriots are going to go to the Super Bowl is what you're saying, right? And they're gonna they're gonna win this. Yeah, I think I think they're far and away the best team in football right now. Um, mm. What you've seen this year, if you look at it from a grand scope, is that they won with a backup. They won with a third string. They won with a third string when they basically all they did was run the ball. Everyone keeps saying the Patriots' running game. Um, was going to fall off eventually. Well, it hasn't. Everyone said the defense was a mess, myself included, and they traded Jamie Collins and the sky was falling. Well, now Van yep. Roy's playing better than Jamie Collins said at the beginning of the year. Shane Collins finally coming on. So the linebacking core looks fine. Malcolm Butler had an early season ankle injury that seems to have completely disappeared because he's playing Pro Bowl level corner right now. Um, top five in the game, in my opinion. And Devin McCourty, the biggest, you know, the biggest critique we've had on him for a long time is that he's not a big hitter. Um, he's been late, and not just the, the hit on Demarius Thomas last week, but over the last couple of weeks, he's been hitting more. Um, the defense looks good. Steven Gostowski, look out, hasn't uh, missed the kick in three weeks. I'm going to go ahead and knock on wood. Um, so yeah, that, no, it's looking good. And, and, and they're putting Julian Edelman back to field the punts now. And unless there's a, a, you know, a wide open return, he's just fair catching it. So all three phases right. are clicking. The coaching job has been amazing. I don't think the defense, the thing that I think is really turned around the defense, it's not getting enough credit. Is they look like the early 2000s Patriots on defense, not not in ti- not in uh, as far as talent wise, because I, I you know obviously um, I don't think they're even as talented as they were in 2014. But the but the exotic schemes, um, right. my favorite stat, and these haven't been at the line spots. Um, right. Uh, Chris Long has two or three passes defense this year, and that's because they're doing these things where they're blitzing linebackers or blitzing corners and they're dropping the defensive ends in coverage and they're walking around and they're making shifts at the line at the last second and they're getting back in the fence and passes. And um, you think you have yep. to check down, but you don't realize that the defensive line is dropping back in coverage. And it's just been, it's been a lot more exotic, a lot more aggressive. And, and they're clicking on all cylinders. And I think that it proves, you know, the theory I think me and you have had about the Broncos all year, which is if you look at the statistics, and this is why I always say, and I, I'm not the only one, but I firmly agree that that's for losers. Um, the Broncos aren't worse off this year at quarterback than they were last year statistically. But what they don't have right. is they don't have Peyton Manning up there checking them into the right play. Even if he can only throw it six yards, he can check into that play. As far as the running right. game, they don't, they don't have that guy that can check them into the right run play, not reading defenses as well. So um, while the stats may be similar, because I think Manning finished with like nine touchdowns, 17 interceptions last year, so he obviously didn't have yeah, a right. good year. Not great. But he set them up right. in a lot of great plays and – so I think I think the Broncos are done. I don't think they're missing. I don't think they're making the playoffs. And what? again, we've been doing this podcast for a year and a half, and I don't think you've ever heard me predict this far out that, that the Pats are going all the way. 
Yeah, well, that is that is quite bold. But let me ask you this question. You know, Tom Brady, he actually um, only completed 16 of 32 passes. That's actually the completion percentage is good, but only for 188 yards against the Broncos. You know, zero turnovers, zero touchdowns, probably his lowest output of the year. And I know that he has a little bit of a thigh injury, and they're limiting his reps at practice on the way through today. Um, last week against the Broncos, do you think that was the Broncos' defense limiting Tom, or do you think that this was just Brady was hurt and he was playing subpar, or is this just a Billichek plan? He's been he's been dealing with that knee injury, uh, thigh injury, um, since the Cam Chancellor game, and he still performed much better than that. Um, I think a it's the Denver defense, and and b it's just um, you know certain players just don't play play well in certain places. It just um, I think it's in Brady's head um, a, a little bit, you know. I mean, the, again, the, we talked about it last week, and I forgot one of the guys' names, and I remembered it now. I mean, the, the Patriots lost to Danny Cannell. The Danny Cannell-led Broncos, and if anyone outside of Denver can honestly tell me to remember that guy that ever played quarterback in the NFL, you're a liar. Um, so he's, just, he's never been good there. They have the best pass defense in football. Uh, and, you know, early in that game, you could see, you could see the ghosts because Brady was dumping balls and, and was getting happy feet in the pocket when he had clean pockets. Yeah. And he's just so used to going to Denver and getting his head beat in that even, even though the offensive line, which has been amazing this year, and would, I would rate as a top five offensive line in, in the NFL, um, was giving him clean pockets. I mean, Von Miller was a non-factor in that game. Um, and, yep. and same with same Ware. Um, and, you know, so he had that. And I don't think until halfway through the second quarter, Brady was actually able to put, wrap his head around the fact that he didn't have to he didn't have to ha- be scared in the pocket because he was actually getting protected all day. So um, right, I, right, I think right. it was half mental and the other half was that the Denver defense is that good. They have two of the best cornerbacks in the league uh, and they have a, they, ha- they have a good, you know, uh, bozo uh, safety back there. Um, so, right. you know, it was, uh, I think it was all those things. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right about that, and and I think that, uh, and quite frankly, I'm not as hard on the Denver Broncos as you are. I don't think they're going to make. I, I severely doubt that even if they do make the playoffs, that they will get anywhere. But I do think that there is some glimmer of hope that Trevor Simeon can be the guy going forward. I don't think it's absolutely a foregone conclusion that he's not the guy, and they have to go out and get somebody else. At a bare minimum, if the Broncos go get somebody else next year. I think that they could keep Trevor Simeon in the starting uh, that starting job at least for the beginning of the season and see how he does if he makes any progress because I've seen some glimmers of uh, of hope there. I don't think he's actually that bad and and frankly I would have never said that at the beginning of the season. But I you know I think he's a little bit better than a game manager. He has a little bit of upside. He could be Alex Smith plus um, you know as as a ceiling and I think that's that's actually workable if you have a very strong defense. So what are your thoughts about Trevor Simeon? Yeah, I, I think I think Patson Lynch is still going to be the guy in the long haul. Um, I think they're trying to bring him along slowly and groom him for that position. So, oh, Paxton Lynch, you're, you're get your money on Paxton Lynch. I wouldn't be surprised if he beats him out in camp next year. Now, I don't know what Paxton Lynch's ceiling is, but I think it's higher than Trevor Simeon's. And with that said, I agree with everything you said that I don't think Trevor Simeon's that awful. I think that he isn't good enough. I mean, I mean, even with Peyton Manning in there, with the with the bet with one of the best mental quarterbacks to ever play the game. You still yep. needed an absolute historic run from that defense, and I'm going to come out and say it. And I I know that may, you know might uh, might draw some big looks from people, but I think the Denver Broncos, as they're currently constituted, this run is over. Um, and I say that because I think there's certain people in the NFL, or certain groups of people in the NFL, that um, your time kind of com- comes to a halt. 
the early 2000 Ravens, you know, they had about a five-year window where that defense was really dominant because when you have, you know, that, you know, there's a difference between being aggressive being stupid. And I, I think there were some players on that team that, that were, not, were not smart football players. I think you saw that in San Francisco at the beginning part of uh, this, uh, this decade. Um, and I think you're seeing it in Denver now because you don't build your franchise around Aqib Tlaib or TJ Ward. Those are the kind of guys you bring in and you hope for a couple years they keep it together because their talent's that good. Um, but yep. in the long haul, I think it's gonna, the wheel's going to come off. And that's the thing that people miss with Seattle. For, for as brazen as Richard Sermon is, might be the, might yep. be the most intelligent player in the NFL. Um, Cam yeah, Chancellor, I, it's true. for as I agree much of a hitter I mean, he is, he's, yeah. yeah, I mean, Cam Chancellor's but, a smart football player, and Earl Thomas is the leader back then, and keeps those guys in check, and so they have well, smart I agree football with that. players, and they, and they made a smart decision. Bruce Irvin was probably the biggest loose cannon on that defense. His contract came up, and they said, we're not paying you that. Go go somewhere else. Yep, and, yep. Um, the Broncos yeah, let, the me, let me ask you about this, since you brought it up, you know, but Richard Sherman, that exchange he had, you know, with the offensive coordinator last week, and then of course the, all the shouting matches, and then he had the run-in with the ESPN reporter, where he uh, basically said, "Don't go there. I can ruin your career. Uh, I'll make sure you don't get press passes, media media clearance anymore." Uh, and then had to was forced to kind of apologize uh, after he was told by Pete Carroll that he doesn't have that uh, he doesn't have that ability to pull somebody's media credentials. What do you think about all that with Richard Sherman? Oh. Oh God, I love it. He's a bad man. Uh, he just him and if I was if I was starting a, a, a roster and I couldn't pick Patriot players, I'm putting Steve Smith in his prime at receiver and I'm putting Richard Sherman in his prime at corner. Um, oh, you you like I'm, it? You like the attitude? Oh, I love I love Richard Sherman. I'm one of the few Patriot fans. There's there's a lot of Patriot fans I can't forgive him for 2012. I love the guy. Um, I, I you know the, the the thing on the sideline that's that's the culture that Pete Carroll created. So you know everyone wants to get mad at him, but but when you're you know when you're just one of the boys and your coaching staff's just all one of the boys and you're all rah rah and yelling and stuff on the sideline. Yep. You know you can't expect somebody to to think that there's a boundary there. That they can't say something. And with that said, Bevel, if you're inside the two, run the ball. Why is this so hard for us to understand? <laughs> hey, they got it Five this time. They got it this time. It worked. You, know, you, cost him, <laughs> you cost him a Super Bowl. I'd be in his face, too. Stop running that play. Yeah, no, okay, it's fair. It's fair. But oh, my God. Yeah, I, I think that, will go, down in, that will go down in infamy. But, but, but so thankfully I, for you, they didn't run the ball that time, right? right so, hey, I mean, you know. I'll, I'll take it. But, you know, I think there's a difference between that <laughs> and, and T.J. Ward in a game where he's about to lose, taking a stupid personal foul and then flexing at the sideline. I don't know what you're flexing about down 16-3. I don't care how well your defense yep. played. Um, you just basically yep. ice the game. So, you know, that's stupid to me. You know, it's an argument I've always had about Des Bryant. I don't think Des Bryant's stupid. I think he's overpassionate at moments, and that's the same thing I yeah. say about Richard Sherman. But I think there's a, yep. there's a level that as long as when you go on the field, you check that, and when you step on the field, you're playing between the lines, that's one thing. You know, yep. the Odell Beckham, Josh Norman thing two years ago, that's, that's going too far. So, um, you know, I, I'm on Richard Sherman's side. I don't think he should have done it, but at the same time, I don't know, it's kind of the culture they have out there. Yep, yep, I totally agree with that. All right, so let's uh, let's move along, though, because there's a couple more things we want to hit today, so let's go ahead and ring the bell on that one. Let's talk about maybe the biggest Houston Texans bust of all time, the multi, multi, multi-million dollar man, Brock Osweiler, gets benched. He gets benched finally in Week 15, and Tom Savage takes over. And I'm telling you, Tom Savage, to me, looked like, he was under control. He looked like a guy who could actually control that offense. He made smart throws. 
He didn't risk uh, things into double coverage. He didn't uh, hesitate as much as Brock Osweiler did. Uh, Osweiler tended to struggle and check down a lot. I thought I saw Savage kind of attack the defense, uh, regardless of what type of of, uh, of uh, coverage they had, particularly of zone coverage. He was particularly good at attacking the defense. What do you think about that? What do you think about the benching of Brock Osweiler and whether Tom Savage is the answer in Houston? So I um. I had a different job back in the, the spring of 2014. Um, and there's a kid I worked with who I haven't worked with in two years. And we text like once every like four or five months. And I uh, texted him Monday morning and I said, my boy, Tommy Savage. And he texted me back. He goes, yo, you called that like three years ago. And I said, I know I did. Um, <laughs> I was big on Tom Savage coming out of, out of, out of college. I think you really? continually see the, the same big mistake. And I don't know if Tommy Savage is going to work out, but you see the big same mistake over and over again. And it comes in the NFL, it happened with, with the Ryan Mallets of the world and the Jake Plumbers. I have no use for the six foot four to six foot six gunslinger. That does nothing for me. Congrats. You can throw a 50-yard ball. It, the quarterback position is all about between the ears. It's the same reason that people didn't give Russell Wilson enough credit out of college. I think, and when we, I think that was the first year we did our draft scout for the site. Um, and, mm-hmm. I, and that's when I really looked at Tom, Tom Savage. And I said to me, and uh, I'm drawing a blank on the rest. I think that was the Mariota Winston year. Um, but I, you know, in my head, I said, or that might have been the year after they got drafted. But regardless, um, I forget the quarterback yeah. class that year. But I remember saying that Tom Savage is one of my favorite quarterbacks in that draft class. Um, he makes smart plays. He makes smart throws. He's got he's got good touch on the ball. Um, he can finesse throws. He can drop balls in uh, over the linebackers, underneath the underneath the over the top guys. He doesn't have a huge can. He doesn't throw the deep ball great, but. You know, Brock Osweiler does, and DeAndre Hopkins is having his worst year. So, you know, what is that yep. worth? So, it comes down to, right. again, we've talked about it. Um, the owner wanted the player and put a lot of pressure on him, clearly. I don't think Billy O'Brien ever wanted him and didn't right. even meet with him, didn't bet him, nothing, just looked at a couple of game films from last year and said, sure, we'll sign him. And, they yeah. did. and now they're on the hook for it. So, I wouldn't be surprised right. if Savage comes down and has another good game. I think he's. I think he's a high-end game manager at his best. I think oh, his he, ceiling he looks good. Is, is something – yeah, I think his ceiling is something a little bit better than Alex Smith where he can make the same decisions Alex Smith does but make a little bit more of the throws without being one of the elite guys. And I think if you have a great defense and a good run game, that, that Savage could be the guy that could, could get you into a, you know, a decent playoff run. Not, not this year, but in the right. future. You know, in the preseason, Tom Savage actually was quite good. I mean, I don't know if people remember this because they probably weren't paying attention to him at that time because they're thinking about Brock Osweiler. But he completed 56.9% of his pass attempts in the preseason, 437 yards at a 6.72 yards per attempt, four touchdowns, only one turnover. He did not take chances. He pushed the ball down the field. He looked great, actually. And he actually has a great connection uh, with DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, you, you saw he actually made him – uh, viable again, you know. He 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 got targeted him 14 times, uh, put Hopkins in a position to actually catch the ball. He got eight of those, 87 yards. I mean, that's probably one of the best performances he's had in in recent memory. I, I actually like Tom Savage. I actually think he can be the guy into the future if they can find a way to just drop Brock Osweiler and, and get him off the cap. Get it would be great, but I don't think they're gonna be able to do that. I mean, yeah, you'll take a little bit of a cap hit, and you'll and there'll still be some, you know, the guaranteed money that goes out the window. But would you would you rather just yeah? Keep what that can you do next year right? a little bit, or or would you? Yeah. You know, that's the that's the beauty of the NFL. The contracts aren't guaranteed. You can get rid of them. Get rid of them. Um, I, yeah. I don't think he's yeah. that good, and I think and you know, I think the most important thing that I watched from that game, stepping into that moment, is that it's the same thing I said about him in Pitt in college. Was that 
there's there's a certain poise to him, and it's I think again I think it's one of the it's underrated. It's the thing that the Patriots saw in Brady. It's the thing that the Patriots saw in um in Jimmy Garoppolo. Is there, you know, it's it's I think it's still the biggest weakness uh, on the other side in Andrew Luck's game, which is the staring down the rush and the holding on the ball too long. And Savage doesn't do that. He gets the ball out quick. Agree. He doesn't he doesn't worry about what's coming at him. He just stands in the pocket, finds somebody open, and if it's a quick if it's a quick hot read, he makes the right quick hot read. And he gets it out. So I don't think Tom Savage is ever going to be out there gunslinging, but I think I think he can be a guy who can be like a early, you know pretty 2007 type Tom Brady player, where he can he can yep. be an above average game manager and and win you some football games. I I absolutely agree with that. So so let's kind of just keep rolling here because we got a couple more topics, and we're running a little short on time. But let's talk about the New York Giants and their resurgence. I mean they're really coming on strong at the end of the season. They swept the Cowboys, which is very impressive. They keep winning games. They just keep winning games which is just shocking to me because they don't look great to the eye test all the time. And their defense, you know, after losing JPP, I thought it was going to fall apart. But they have actually been very, very stout on defense and very good on offense as well. So tell me, what do you think about the New York Giants? Scary. <laughs> um, I actually took the time today to go on uh, on demand um, this morning and watch the highlights of the, the 2011 and 2007 Super Bowl because – Oh, boy. Oh. We, we're getting that feeling New England. Don, uh, Dan Shaughnessy, a big writer for the Boston Globe, put out an article today or this week, and it, the, the title is something to the effect of the one team the Pats, the, the one team the Pats don't want to see in the Super Bowl is the New York Giants. Um, Interesting. And I think that was, uh, you know, there's a lot of bad memories here from them. Um, I think, you know, the only thing you can say, the only glaring weakness is they can't run the ball at all. They're, I think, the 30th in the run. Um, you know, the biggest thing – that I think people forget. People say defense wins championships. People say, you know, you need a run game to win the championship. What you need to win a championship is you need balance. You need to be able to execute uh-huh. in all three phases of the, of the game, um, and you need to not be one-dimensional on either side of the ball. Um, unfortunately for them, they are still are in, in the running game, but I don't really believe anybody else in the NFC, so I think they're, I think they're legit. I think they're scary. Um, and I think they're, you know, they're playing. You say they don't pass the eye test. I mean, it's just when you have players like Shepard Cruz, and uh, OBJ, you know, as long as their defense can keep games close, all they need is one big play from those guys. That's um, true. You know, That's not, true. You know, so so they keep it close, and that defense is legit. Um, I think, you know, you always hear about you can't win through free agency, and I think it's because you can't win through free agency if you're stupid. You know, you have to team build. And what they did is they went and got a linebacker who can rush the passer so that's and can cover, which is one of the most important things. They went and got one of the best corners in football, which is one of the most important things. So, you know, you got that. You went and drafted a good rookie. Um, me and you were both down on Eli Apple, but I think he's he's played above both of our expectations. I thought there were he better guys has. on the board. Yeah, I yep. thought there were better guys on the board. I was, I was, you know, I remember draft night, me and you losing our minds, uh, tweeting back and forth after that pick. We could not believe Eli Apple was drafted that, that early, but um, he's played yep. great. And he's the number two corner behind Janoris Jenkins, so they're fine there. Um, Landon Collins is quickly becoming one of the best elite safeties in football. Um, yep. You know, I don't know if this stat's still true, but I know at one point he was the only, uh, you know, the only guy to lead his team in, in uh, sacks, interceptions, and I think tackles. And um, you know, that's the kind of player he is. So that defense is the defense is scary. They got a quarterback who's been there and done it before. And I think if they have two glaring issues it's the run game and it's also the fact that you have a coach yeah. who's stupid enough to use a walkie-talkie on the sidelines so he's certainly no tom coughlin 
Well, that's a, <laughs> I agree with that. And Rashad Jennings obviously is not the answer there, and I don't think anybody – I mean, Perkins looks all right, and maybe they can pair him with somebody else, make it a more effective one-two punch. But I agree with all those, uh, all those statements about the Giants. They are coming on strong at just the right time, as they usually do on those seasons in which they tend to dominate. So, yeah, that'll be interesting. Now let's turn to that. I'm going to turn to that in a second, Super Bowl predictions. But let's quickly hit one uh, quick discussion. This is all we're going to say about it. NFL Pro Bowl rosters have been announced. Tell me, what do you think? Your most deserved Pro Bowl selection and your biggest snub? Oh, boy. No, I can tell you this. I can tell you, my, I, I think that the biggest snub, uh, and I'll start with that, is uh, I think that Drew Brees is actually a big snub because, quite frankly, he's done quite well this year. I know the team is not successful. I mean, maybe that's something that plays into it. I don't think it does with the Pro Bowl voting. But, you know, honestly, he's mostly all they got. He's made most of their receivers that are not particularly notable very, very uh, productive. He's actually made the ground game productive by being a threat. Um, obviously, he's much better at home in the Superdome than he is on the road. I still think it's a little bit of a snub. To give him, and, and I understand Deck Prescott gets that spot because of the fact that he brought the Cowboys to this spot now as a rookie. But honestly, I really do think that uh, Breeze should have gotten a, got his name on that. Yeah, um, my biggest, and I'm going to keep it right here at home. I'm sorry. Uh, you can't put two Bronco guys on there. It, it ha- Malcolm Butler is a top-five corner in this league. Um, for him to get snubbed off the Pro Bowl was uh, was pretty ridiculous to me. Um, mm-hmm. I still think he doesn't get enough credit, you know, and I think people read the headlines and come out and say, oh, yeah, well, he, was, he was in cover, too. That's how he shut down Emmanuel Sanders. Shut up, Emmanuel Sanders. He was in your cleats the entire game. <laughs> There was not cover, mm-hmm. It was not cover two. There was, it was not strictly zone coverage. There have been at least eight videos surfacing of routes where Sanders could not shake Butler. He got shut down. I think, I think Butler's an elite yep. shutdown corner, and uh, you're going to see that this offseason when that, when that check comes in, hopefully, hopefully from New England. Well, you guys did get Dante Hightower and Devin McCourty in there. Both, I think, are, are well-deserved um, uh, namings to the Pro Bowl. And, of course, the Pro Bowl itself is a joke, but uh, it's nice to see these guys get some recognition when they should. All right, let's turn to the last topic of the day, and that is going to be Super Bowl prediction time. We're running a little short on time, so I normally run through a bunch of these, but let me just ask you, who do you think? In the, I know who you think in the AFC, because you already said it's <laughs> going to be the Patriots, and they're going to win. But let's talk about the NFC. Who do you think is going to make it on the NFC side? I already, I already said that one, too. I give them both away. The Giants. I think they're the best team. Really? Think you think the Giants and Patriots? Wow. Absolutely, and it pains that's, me to say it, but, that's you know. great. I think I think we're finally gonna get that win that win on Eli. Granted that there's a miraculous <laughs> pass or miraculous catch this time. <laughs> That's for all the New York Giants fans out there. I have to do that. I'm obligated. I'm over in New York. But uh, but I, I'll, I'll say this. Uh, that would be fantastic. I would love to see that again. It's always been entertaining. I actually don't care if the Giants win or, or the Pats win because I'm not really invested in either team. But I can say this. They always have an entertaining uh, game in the postseason, and, and that those Super Bowls are some of the most memorable Super Bowls for me personally. So I, I would love to see that. I think that would be terrific. But as, on the NFC side, instead of the Giants, I mean, what, what do you think the Cowboys are going to fall out of this? Oh, absolutely. I just think they're they're too young and inexperienced, and, you know, it's going to be one of those things that sometimes you say something until eventually you're right or, or you're proven wrong, and that's kind of where I'm at with the Cowboys' defense. They can't keep playing. Right. Okay. I, don't, I don't think yeah. they're that good. 
And so right, I agree with that. But but I do think the Cowboys do have a shot there. I mean, they they've been upstarts all year and they've been really consistent. You know, had they started strong and pitted out sort of like the Eagles, and maybe I've been like, yeah, 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 they're gonna hit that wall and they're gonna fall apart. But they've done it all season, and I'm starting to starting to believe just a little bit, just a little bit. And I know the Falcons. I know what you're gonna say about that. Matt Ryan is due to fall but... apart. <laughs> and if he doesn't do it in the regular season, he'll do it in the postseason. I buy that. I buy that. But you know, the Falcons do have a shot here, don't they? No, absolutely not. I'm not buying the Falcons. Really? I'll sell that 100. All right. You give me any give me okay. any odds line on that, and I'm pound and I'm pounding uh, pounding against them. Um, okay. You know, I just, and I and I agree. The Cowboys have done it all year. I just I just don't believe in them. I think the best thing they got going for them is there's nothing harder in football than the sweep. And so if it comes down yeah. to an NFC Championship on either site between them and the Cowboys and between them and the Giants, it's just so hard to beat a team three times one season. But yeah, that's true. We'll see. That's true. They've seen it too. Seen them too many times. Now, what about the Seahawks, though? Let's just go back to the go back to the well on that. The Seattle Seahawks have been looking quite good recently. Obviously, they're much better at home than they are on the road. But what do you think about them? I and mean, we just talked about how great that uh, defense can be. You know, Sherman's out there still. I mean, true, they're, they're they're missing they're missing a few folks, but they still seem to be. They got it back together last Thursday. What do you think? Yeah, there's just a few teams in the NFL that I look at. Um, I guess I'm going to contradict myself here, but there's a few teams in the NFL I look at and say, uh, if you lose this guy in the, that besides the quarterback, that you're done. And I've always said about the, pa- the Patriots and Gronkowski, but I think Bennett and the other weapons have helped ease that. Now you have Michael Floyd in the red zone. Um, but, I, but I would say the same thing about the Seahawks and Earl Thomas. I just think that aside, aside from losing Russell Wilson, losing your starting quarterback, there's nobody more valuable to that team than Earl Thomas. So um, I would fear them. But I, I just, I'm not buying on them without Earl Thomas. So um, if they go on and do it, then I'll admit I was wrong. But as the way it's constituted right now, I just, I can't believe that they, they would be able to, to, to do it without him. All right. So that's basically all the time we got for today. So that's, uh, we're going to be back again hopefully next week, and we'll talk about all the uh, end of season changes and all the stuff that leading up to the playoffs. I'm sure the playoff scenarios become much clearer then. Until next time, so uh, Ryan, give us your, uh, your Twitter handle so people can follow you. Yeah, my Twitter handle is at Ryan Whitfield NE. And just to give a quick update, you are now nine games back in the pick and pool with two weeks to go. <laughs> I knew I wouldn't be able to, I was 20 seconds away. I thought I was going to get out of the show about you <laughs> razzing me, but you had to get it in there. All right, you can follow me at FB Garbage Time. Uh, we're going to be following through all the, all, we'll be posting all the important information throughout the week. So enjoy your football week, which begins tonight with Thursday Night Football. Until next time, uh, have a great football week. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? (laughs) 
Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. 